Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me. I'm Scott Linden, your host, uh, here to help you become a better bird hunter, dog trainer, and shotgunner, at least uh, better than me. How's that? We're going to talk a little bit about dog training. You know, uh, this is the time of year when you uh, sit back over a hot cup of coffee or something a little cold with a lot of years in the barrel. Whatever it is you're drinking, uh, you're probably thinking too. Maybe about uh, getting better for next season. Well, we're going to talk about the things that I think most of you have told me over the last couple of years are important when it comes to kind of fixing your dogs for next season. So that'll be the main topic today. It's the end of the season and time to train. But that's not all. I'll be uh, giving you a, a quick tour of some of my favorite birdie beer towns, or is it beery bird towns, just uh, to help you plan for your next season, if that's your inclination. And then you will show off your hunting rig. It's always educational, if nothing else. And boy, did I get the comments, the suggestions, and some great pictures on that one on our Facebook pages. So get ready for all of that right here on the Upland Nation podcast, brought to you by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, Trulock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, LandTrust.com, and ESPAmerica.com. Here, just back from a little trip to thaw out in way southeast in California. Boy, was that nice. And the timing was right, too. We left in the snow and we got back and it snowed again. But in the interim, uh, getting ready for my own training season, uh, trying to make sure the pigeons are in good shape. And they must be because they're reproducing like rabbits. Lots of young pigeons in the nests and uh, looking forward to wearing them all out. So uh, get ready for more training news in that uh, area as we get deeper into the spring and summer. Uh, Been doing something else that I haven't done for a while. Kind of just got the idea that, uh, especially on that road trip I just took, uh, Flick is, you know, he's not getting near the intellectual stimulation he needs uh, throughout the day. You know, and, and, you know, your own dog will get into certain kinds of mischief when they're bored. And, uh, you know, the the best solution for a bored dog is more exercise, but the second best is perhaps more mental challenge. So we're, we're working on just little things, just to keep him on his toes on a, you know, uh, you know a several hourly basis. You know, a retrieve here, a woe there. Those are the things that, you know, at least keep him thinking about doing the right thing a little bit more often seems to be working at least he knows i'm interested in him even when he's not out hunting so uh, take that to heart and we'll talk more about things like that as we get to the main segment of the show today you uh, i asked on on uh, facebook uh, a while back and uh, instagram and twitter all three in fact now that i think about it asked about uh, uh I, sh- I showed a picture of one of my old hunting rigs. Uh, uh, still miss that uh, ram uh, with the uh, 1500, just a you know half ton, but it had it was all tricked exactly the way I like it, and uh, and I had it organized well. And but beyond all that, it just hand it handled like a sports car. But anyway, enough about mine. I said, show me some of yours, and uh, and let's let's see what you have done that we might uh, actually. Uh, learn from and so I started looking through some of the pictures and the first one that uh, struck my fancy was uh, Bruce Wondrax uh, it just got a little half ton Chevrolet uh, but uh, he's got his travel trailer and uh, lots and lots of miles and smiles but more importantly he's doing what we all should do with a travel trailer and that is keep it under cover when you're not using it um, Bill Evans, I'll work on that. I'll, I'll put a picture of my, my latest uh, rig uh, somewhere on social media soon. So all of that is good. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a great one. Um, humble on the outside, uh, 
hot on the inside. Um, oh boy, that brings back. If if it is what I think it is, Richard Allen. First off, you got a wire hair on on the front end uh, pointing on a two track, but second, that looks like one of those classic uh, maybe Su- Suzuki Samurais. We had one in blue. Boy, that was. Uh, I hope you had better luck than I did with ours. But it's still co- cool to see out there in the desert somewhere. Um, Rich Baker lives says Tundra. Sean Taylor has built a beautiful trailer for his dogs and storage for gear, of course, too. Man, that looks like a professional job, Bruce. I mean, Sean, so keep up the good work. Uh, Four-hole trailer, it looks like. Plenty of ventilation, plenty of storage. And, um, yeah, even room for a few other uh, neat things on there. Um, A lot of us are putting our dog boxes right in the back of the pickup, and uh, most of those are going right up against the cab. There's another nice one for Mob Abir. Is that how I say that, Rob? Um, of course, you could not escape Frank Marbury. Just a, a few birds on the tailgate with two short hairs. Show it off for the dogs, I hope. A good old Dodge Dakota. It's been a while since I've seen one of those on the street. But uh, some excellent stuff out there. You know, Robert Mather, you and um, and uh, your truck vault bring back some memories. I had one of those uh, wood, uh, wood and drawer fronts on on one years ago now mine are that uh that um uh what do you call it synthetic uh, vinyl based uh, facing but still love my truck vault steve kinzer love your four hole plus uh dog box on top of your pickup now there's a setup rob um a beer has a um it's it it's a flatbed sort of with a dog with a with a, a house trailer on the front end and a dog trailer on the back end um you could probably put a four by four of some sort in there instead but a gigantic back porch on your travel trailer i've i've wondered about that how does it handle rob that's my big question i mean i'm not complaining i'd love to have the same setup and it looks great so um ryan teasley's the first one to show me one of his rooftop tents on his truck i remember when those first came out beautiful stuff and uh how do you stay warm in one of those Ooh, there's the ultimate maybe we'll end on this one elijah barber has got a six hole eight hole uh uh topper on his pickup for dogs with storage on top and on top of that he's got his uh cooler he's got uh you know uh one of those uh um uh diamond plate storage boxes on the back in the bed he's got his uh decked uh storage setup and then of course everything hanging off all of that as well so um you know if you forgot something uh elijah it's because you're not following the the ultimate upland checklist that we put together there's room for everything in that one and uh, you could probably stand on the top too anyway lots of good stuff to learn there uh just go to any of the social media pages and take a look at that stuff thanks to all of you for uh, sharing your rigs and what you've done with them lots of great ideas all right, this part of the show is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food. Do you want to learn more about what they're doing there in the way of nutrition? Go to ProPlansport.com. Yeah, it seems like everybody is finally, everybody else in the industry is finally coming around to, to what Purina figured out a long time ago from all the extensive uh, nutritional research they do, and that is that the perfect proportion of protein and fat is 30% protein, 20% fat. That's why all the ProPlan Sport formulas that we use around here are that. It fuels the metabolism of the dog and it maintains lean muscle. Enough fatty acids and glucosamine in most of the formulas will help support joint health and mobility, not just in training, but on the hunt and throughout their life. And then there's also DHA added to nourish brain and vision health. What a perfect match for a bird dog. You want to learn more about what they've got and what might work best for you? Go to ProPlansport.com. 
And PointerShotguns.com is where you get a look at all of their newest models, colors, configurations, sizes. Yeah, there's youth over and unders. There's even a 28-gauge case colored over and under. Side-by-side uh, -side starting at a manufactured suggested retail price of just $7.59. If you're looking to upgrade, consider upgrading to a gun that has a seven-year warranty. Find a nearby retailer at PointerShotguns.com. Yeah, you know the feeling when uh, you're driving home from that last hunt of the season or you're, you're recounting that last hunt of the season or the whole season with your buddies, wherever it is. Uh, the first thing you look at is, oh, what could I do better next? What would I like to change about that last season so that it's better for me and my dog and everybody else next season? So um, I asked that quite a while ago in a survey or two and, and hit on the three top three things that are important to you to work on this season, this training season. The first and foremost and the most popular uh, objective, I guess I'll call it, is steadiness. Get that dog to hold still for, well, for as long as you want it to hold still. The second one is getting your dog back, recall. So we'll cover that as well. And then we'll also cover retrieving, uh, primarily for, you know, pointing breeds, because I'm not a retriever guy. But we'll talk more about some of the things that um, we've all learned and, and I put down on paper over the years that will help us uh, in the short term and the long term with retrieving. And then, then a few other things we'll just cover in brief. But those are your priorities and uh and mine too you know i want to do the same thing as you i want to have a great time outdoors with my dog so so let's get to it here on the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden you know take it for what it's worth i've been around a little bit i'm not a pro trainer but i've i've, I've come up with a few things that might help you as well and the first one is realizing that uh, you know kind of like one of newton's laws of motion as hunting season wanes, your dog work deteriorates. Okay, okay, so does our shooting and maybe some other things, including, uh, uh, you know, whether we're in shape or not. So, so remember that it's a two-way street and we need to work on our own stuff, and I'll touch on that as well. But right now, um, it's all about, in, you know, working on better dog performance, harder than you think especially in the field you know you got hinky birds you got a hunting buddy who thinks he's a better shooter than you and then when you get out you know the big pressure is my god i'm only here for a day or two or five i gotta get in as much great hunting as i can which in and of itself makes everybody a little bit more anxious but um that's you know that's just you know one of the things to look at so uh, let let's get ready for next season and my to-do list which i think matches your to-do list uh in large part and see what we can do to to get, maybe get a little better next season uh like i said steadiness number one on the list um it's tough for a dog to stand still in the face of that scent. I mean, that's the whole idea. Dogs are, in large part, predators. They smell their prey. The only reason they hold still is so that they can get ready to pounce. Obviously, we're going to work on that. But then there's all those other distractions. Sometimes the birds are not holding still. They're running around. Sometimes there's so many. Uh, sometimes you're yelling or... Somebody's taking a shot somewhere else. Um, it's critical that we work on steadiness to whatever degree we want because it also becomes the foundation for some other basic skills. So that is what we're going to talk about first because there's nothing better than getting to the top of that ridge and seeing your dog stock still, kind of looking out of the corner of his eye for you hoping you'll get there before the birds fly or 
he just can't hold still any longer. I remember huffing and puffing up a, ch- a chucker slope. Yeah, it was nice and flat at the top, but the, but the incline up there was pretty wicked. And I saw Flick skylit. For, you know, the, we were walking the right direction so that the sun was behind him and it was like a halo around him. Yeah, well, it sort of worked, but not good enough. In fact, that's one thing I'm going to talk about and may as well start with that first. And that is if you're covering long distances or the birds are hinky because it's late in the season or early in the season or the weather's bad or the wind is blowing, sometimes the best thing to do is keep your dog at heel for most of that hunt. Send him out when you know you can get to the birdie spots about the time he does. So so think about that. And, and I talked with, you know, Jeff Funky, I think, about this uh, months ago on the podcast. Um, he, he says he does. This guy's a pro trainer. He's a trucker hunter 100 days of the year. Uh, but he still brings his dog in and gets him to walk by his side until they get to the really birdie stuff that he is confident he can get to as well. All right. So I, I, I alluded to everybody has their own definition of steady. And we can go deeper and deeper into that uh, over a couple beers sometime. But for now, what we want is we want a dog to hit a point based on what they smell. Nostrils flaring, flanks quivering. You know, you it's what you live for. And so does the dog because that's when the real fun begins. Now, if you want your dog to hold beyond the flush or beyond the shot or beyond the fall until told to retrieve and you know that would be you know the 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 one everybody strives for say in a NAVDA utility test Um, but first things first he's got to stop so put yourself in in what amounts to the dregs of last season when when your dog was running through a covey or pause just long enough to get a vector on the birds and pounce on them did you shoot those birds or even did you shoot at those birds more likely in my case well then the human is part of the problem as well first let's deal with the dog and I do this uh, like a lot of, uh, more and more pros are doing this, and I'm picking up from that. I might be a slow learner, but I do learn. Uh, the first thing I do is I teach woe as a, an obedience command. Yeah, without birds. So he's just learning to stop when I tell him to stop. Then I overlay a hand signal, even an e-collar signal, you know, the... Um, uh, the, the, the vibrate or the, um, the tone component, depending on how your collar works, teaching it so that the dog is proofed to holding still on a command. That'll come in handy later, but you got to start with it first. And ultimately, that coming in handier will be when he hopes to catch a dog when we're too far away to do anything but yell W-H-O-A. So, you know, work him on a check cord. Uh, eventually translate that to some sort of an e-collar signal. However, your dog and you have worked that out. And then, and only then, do we add in the initial process, which is instinct. You know, the dog smells or sees a bird. That's when you overlay the command, eventually. Sure, let the birds teach the bird dog. And if he will figure it out on his own that he can't catch those birds, and, you know, we're going to talk about that. If he learns that when he hits a point and then breaks it, that he'll never catch a bird, he's well on his way to being steady on his own. That works really well most of the time when you have lots of birds and all those birds are are or are acting wild. If you can't get that, then get a remote control bird launcher and use it in the same way. Dog hits a point, 
he starts creeping in or he starts racing in, fly that bird. No caught birds. All right, so at some point, you put the two together. And woe becomes a little reminder, especially as you are going in on the birds to flush them. That's the first step toward total and complete steadiness. As Bob Ferris taught us all a couple years ago, it starts with instinct, and then as soon as the human becomes visible or otherwise acknowledged, it's obedience. And all your other obedience skills have a command, so do you for holding steady now. Whoa. When he first hits it, hits the scent cone, don't bother. But once he starts thinking about maybe possibly roading in or whatever, you can remind him. You can add some physicality, put a check cord on him or a half hitch or something else. Again, just to reinforce the command. Even then, it helps to get into the picture sooner so that obedience part comes in before the birds get too nervous. So I'll praise a dog from a distance. Some people will suggest that might scare the birds, but I'd rather scare the birds than watch the dog crash in on them. Just get in his sight line or use a hand signal. Somehow make your presence known to encourage compliance, to help with the transition from instinct to obedience. It's really not much different than come or heal, but it has that ultimate distraction, a tasty, tempting bird right there. You want to keep them steady as you're ready to go in on the point and uh, flush the bird? <clears throat> Swing wider than you think you need to, away from the dog. You're in his line of sight again, of course, but you're also not uh, even subtly tempting him to walk along at heel as you pass by. We all do that and we all get lucky. Yeah, um, so the key is to drill drill, drill. Various locations, various bird species if you can. From the distance the birds are from the dog to the distance you are from the dog and the birds, all those things, as long as you can ensure there are no caught birds. And as I said, even in the field, in a hunting situation, Use what you need to use to get the right kind of performance. I'll leave the debate about uh, steady to wing or shot or fall for another time. But if you can get your dog to hold still until you're ready to push the bird into the air with some of those tricks, hey, they work for me most of the time. Uh, maybe they'll work for you. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast talking about all the things that we could be working on this training season so that our dogs dazzle us every time we go out next hunting season. Have you started working on that yet? I, I'm already putting the calendar together. I don't know about you, but I got a couple big trips planned. Uh, couldn't pull off one of them last season for... Uh, Injury reasons. He's fine, by the way. Can't even tell where that big hole was in his leg. But he's doing great, and we're, we're getting all set mentally. Well, I don't know about him. I'm getting all set. Uh, let's talk about the next important thing, recall. Think about that last hunt. The smells, the sounds, no birds, too many birds. The enticement of other dogs or that white-tailed buck in the distance, all of that is a distraction. 
Heck, even you're a distraction sometimes. Gunshots, you name it. Whatever it is, those distractions are one reason a dog won't come when he's called. Could mean a busted flush. Or you're spending half your day looking for your dog. Could mean the dead birds are never retrieved. And that's before your hunting partner gets involved and starts making all those snide remarks. So recall, critical as well. As, uh, as Delmar Smith first put it, there, it's really simple. There's only three things you should expect your dog to do. Come towards you when you want him to. Go away from you when you want him to. And hold still when you want him to. The first one is often the most important one. Think about it. It is the foundation for retrieving. It's simple in concept and uh, a little less simple in execution. But on opening day, it's probably pretty good. By Christmas, it's maybe just a vague notion in your dog's mind but it is that building block of peak performance that will create a brag worthy dog so getting back to basics may be the best idea treats no treats up to you praise heck yes various sorts Um, physical uh, encouragement of compliance yes So if your dog is really going off the rails, start in the yard with a check cord. Um, Again, you never want to give a command that can't be enforced. And that's probably what happened during the season, at least once or twice or a thousand times. And then at some point, whatever you decide between the two of you on e-collar commands, they should be overlaid as well. Cut them loose without the cord, but maybe in the yard work on those then other locations schoolyard playground vacant lot go back a few steps maybe add the check cord again and then start introducing other distractions you know a training buddy uh, your kids lap dog your kids themselves other noises you know the drill you just got to do it over and over in various venues with various descriptions so um if those aren't working and you're um and you're still desperate uh in 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 a hunting situation there are a few tricks that uh i i I was asked actually asked about at the shot show a while back and suggested that but they're just kind of parlor tricks that might help or might not help so i'm not going to deal with those today you might have your own but the idea is that recall becomes the foundation for reliable retrieving. That's where the rubber meets the road. So I drill whenever I have a chance. I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, we're doing a little bit of that even in the house at night, along with other things. During the day, I get a chance because I work across the driveway from the house. I can toss a bumper or anything else and get him back to me. I can just work on that recall situation. Even in a football game, there's a lot of breaks where we can practice that, especially when the marching band takes the field. Okay, well, we are uh, halfway through the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, uh, sharing with you some of the things that you've told me uh, you want to work on and helping you in one way or another, I hope, with those things. We'll also... um, take a road trip to some beery bird towns or birdie beer towns depending on how many you've had that's harder or easier to say uh right after this message from landtrust.com speaking of beery bird towns was out by lewistown montana one of my favorite breweries uh when i last visited a landtrust.com property Now, LandTrust.com offers exclusive private land access on a day-to-day-to-day basis, kind of like a VRBO, for hunters. 
You get to spend your quality time with your dog in incredible places. Yeah, it's a DIY option. You just get access to the place, providing you and your dogs with a safe, quality experience on private ground. Learn more about them at LandTrust.com. And shoot better. The easy way, put in some high-quality, well-engineered Trulock choke tubes. T-R-U-L-O-C-K, chokes.com. They have them for any shooting activity. Create a better pattern. Hit more birds. No holes in the pattern. Solid density. And the important things, a lifetime warranty and a satisfaction guarantee. There's always an offer for you at truelockchokes.com. Take a look and see if you might benefit from a better pattern in your shotgun. All right. Uh, Hunting season is over. Training season is in full swing. And we're looking back at kind of the to-do to-do list we we put together on the drive home from that last trip uh your next priority retrieving boy did i see a lot of bad retrieve and then i saw a lot of rationalization i remember being on one where the guy said something like well he's a pointer so as long as i kind of know where the bird is or maybe he kind of goes in that general direction i'm okay with that okay more power to you whatever floats your boat but there will come a time when you don't want to do it and i'll i'll never forget this one i was at the top and uh bill was at the bottom and uh up comes a, a covey of chuckers i shoot one it goes all the way back down lands in a big rock pile you know 300 yards away at the bottom of the canyon well even bill my first dog um uh, figured out that uh, oh that could be fun I could go and have a have a bird in my mouth and maybe for quite a while because he's not going to walk all the way down here and uh, sure enough he did he found that bird he did bring it back and it saved me well a 600 yard round trip because you never want to give up altitude on one of those hunts do you so there will be a day when you either decide to waste that bird dishonor that bird or you got to go get it yourself, unless you've worked on retrieving. Again, it's one of those things in the heat of the battle, it's a little hard to focus, but it starts now during training season. If you need one more motivation, remember this, uh, your dog lives for that aspect. That is the, 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 that is the, the grand finale to each flush for your dog so you may as well give him the opportunity to enjoy it the end of the hunt you're going to open up a bottle or a can or you're going to dine with friends whatever however you celebrate your dog celebrates by carrying a bird around in his mouth so let's help him do it well it's a critical component because you don't want to do it drive-by retrieves common especially early late in the season it's better than nothing but it's not what we're looking for by late season my four-legged flea circus will hardly bother to pick it up unless i encourage him in one or more ways it's a lot easier to go after the next bird and the next bird and the next bird unless your dog understands ah this is the good part so we got we got to show him that. We got to teach him. After everything else happens, bang bang, then the fun begins for you. But it only begins if you know what to do. I'm not going to talk much about force fetching or conditioned retrieves or whatever whatever they call it uh, in the the book or video that you use. It works. I'm a believer. So if you haven't considered it, and it doesn't need to be as brutal as everybody says it can be, consider a program. That's the right way to do it. It's worth an entire podcast, but uh, we won't be doing that anytime soon. 
most dogs understand the drill. They will willingly race to the landing place of a dead bird. So that's where we'll start. A dog finds a bird, watches the bird fly, watches it get shot, and heads for that dead bird. Because, again, he's a predator. Or in this case, by now, a scavenger going to pick up something that tastes good, feels good, smells good. Oh. Whether he brings it back or not is a big question. Remember what we talked about earlier? Recall. That's where the rubber meets the road in the retrieving process. So our job is pretty simple. Once he's got something in his mouth, we want to ensure that he brings it back to us. Now to do that, most of the time, I like to use a training table. We use it every day for something, but it, 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 was, it was made in large part for, for uh, training the retrieve as well as steadiness. But you start on the training table because a dog off the ground is a little bit more, I'll just call it attentive. It might be he's a little nervous, uh, you know, different perspective, that sort of thing. And he will look to the human, I think, just a little bit more for direction and assurance. So obviously when we're up there, we're getting a dog to hold everything from like a wooden buck to a dead bird, frozen or otherwise. Um, and then we teach them to hand it over. One of my challenges personally, in addition to craft beer, is, uh, is that I kind of telegraph the release command. I use... Uh, give. Use whatever you want. I used to use thank you for other dogs, but that sounded kind of silly in the field. But be careful about how you introduce the release command and what you're signaling. Are you signaling it by reaching your hand out or by the word itself or what? And be consistent. If you're going to basically just shove your hand out and that's the command, fine. Just make sure he understands that. All right, once he's holding stuff, put him on a cord and, and put him off the table and have him come back onto the table. You can help him along because you've got the cord on. And get him to hand it over. Most dogs will hand it over eventually. Be patient about that. If you need to treat him so that he'll trade you a bird for a dog biscuit, I got no problem with that, but use whatever you want. The force breaking methods have all sorts of other ways to get the dog to open his mouth. I'm not going to get into that. All right, then put the bird off the table, the dog on the table with a cord at first, and, and start getting him to go three or four feet, maybe at heel, and then back up, and then give your release command. That's when you can start overlaying a fetch command or dead bird or whatever you use. But start with short distances with a check cord, lots of praise. You're already halfway there before you start the process. The difference between recall and fetch is simply the fact that he's got something he really treasures in his mouth when he when you want them to come back during a fetch. So basically, reinforce the recall command in all the ways you usually would do that as an obedience command. He'll just be carrying something while he does it. And you might start with things other than real birds and then gradually add things in. You know, like I said, a wooden buck, a retrieving bumper, a bumper with some feathers taped onto it, a frozen bird. In fact, speaking of frozen birds, years ago I, I, I was complaining to a pro trainer, man, he'll, he'll get halfway back with that frozen bird and he'll stop and he'll just put it down. Then the guy said, you ever held a frozen bird? Okay, you ever held an ice cube between your teeth? 
you wouldn't carry it either. So be a little cautious about how often you use frozen birds and maybe find uh, a way to thaw them out a little bit before you use them uh, during the training process. So if you think about re retrieving as recall, primarily, uh, you're well on your way. All right, so the question is, do we have the self-discipline to reinforce these basic commands every day, all next season? Well, if we've been training our dogs all off-season, hopefully we've trained ourselves, too. It's just a little bit of a challenge. So, you know, bear that in mind. Maybe you make a list. Or maybe you remind yourself at the beginning of every hunt. I'm trying to do this regularly. Uh, anyway, even if we're just going out for an exercise run out behind the place. Start each run, start each hunt with a little drill. Have your dog walk at heel for 20 steps. To whoa, maybe fetch a bumper. Or if you've got yesterday's birds around, maybe fetch a real bird. Come when called. All those things tell the dog it's time to go to work. This is not playtime. This is time to work together as a team. Now, <laughs> let's talk about some of the, 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 uh, the less common but very important aspects of off-season that you might want to take a look at. First on my list, conditioning you know the line if your dog's fat you need more exercise yeah it's true if you're huffing and puffing towards your dog when the bird flies uh, maybe it's time to start a workout regimen and uh, who better to benefit from that than your dog whether it's a long walk jog free running bicycle roading with uh, you know a uh, side by side or whatever you're both going to get fitter, except for that last one. Uh, that's going to help both of you. Because the last thing you want is what I saw on that chucker hunt. I, want, I don't want to see those birds flying away because it took me an extra 90 seconds to get all the way up to within gun range. And speaking of that, what about your shooting? Are you happy with it? Most of you weren't, at least the last time I asked. So let's get better at that. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that too. Um, all the, the, the things I've learned about um, shooting that might help you. Sometimes they help me. <laughs> uh, remember again, here's your motivation for shooting better. Your dog is called a bird dog. He wants birds in his mouth. Who's going to help put them there? Well, unless you let him crash in on slow-moving, dumb birds, you got to shoot him. How's that for motivation? That's how he lives the doggy dream. So take a lesson. Hit the range regularly. Do some uh, practice mounts and dry firing in a safe location somewhere in the house or the garage. And just work on your gun mount, your foot position, your, your eyes and how they're functioning. And start it all with a lesson for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, you know, my case, of course, somebody pointed out finally that I was left eye dominant and shooting right-handed. Boy, that saved me, a, you know, another season of frustration. Maybe you too. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast. Um, one more thing that I think would be important for this off-season, and then I will conclude that. We'll get on to beery bird towns. Um, it's more subtle, but I think possibly the most important part, and that is a dog functions best when our expectations are made clear to that dog and fairly enforced, even in the field, when, when the adrenaline's flowing and the powder's burning. So be consistent. 
If you ask your dog to do something in the yard or in the training field, ask your dog to do it and expect him to do it on a hunt. We've trained ourselves. We've trained our dog. Now we've got to train ourselves to keep that bar as high as we set it. No, I'm never going to give Flick the control to my (laughs) e-collar. But I want to be careful about how I give directions and how a dog is expected to follow those directions. Yeah, all of these things are investments in a lifelong relationship built on trust and excellence in the field, however you define it. We start with good intentions, but as closing day looms or tolerance for lackadaisical performance, it grows, and I get it. We're all going the same direction. But if you want to get some birds, build a training table, fashion a check cord, charge your e-collar, you're going to be ready for next season, and so is your dog. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) And thank you all for your suggestions and for the initial inclination to do that because it was all about the things you want to work about, work work on this this off-season. So I hope that helps a lot. Uh, We've got more coming, including Birdie Beer Towns, after these messages. The first from MidwayUSA.com. They do carry just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Uh, Just placed another order and getting uh, some more socks. And I know I'm a sock fetishist, but that's my problem. You, it might be something else. From camping gear to shotguns, they've got them all. Sign up for their emails or text messaging and you'll get 10% off your next order. Plenty of training supplies, lots of target ammo, lots of non-toxic ammo available, and shipping daily. Customer satisfaction is their number one goal. Learn more about why they received the 2022 BizRate Platinum Circle of Excellence Award at MidwayUSA.com. And clean your new gun with SageAndBreaker.com's gun cleaning and care products all their products are now back in stock lots of run on them right after the season ended everything from guns gun cleaning swabs to parts trays to cleaning mats and everything in between including all of those expend consumables firearms grease their clp spray it's all there Again, sign up for the mailing list. You'll get first notice when they bring things back into stock and also on the few future sales they have, as well as all the new products when they come online. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, my passion's beyond birds and bird dogs, a little fly fishing here and there include craft beer. So when I am planning trips, I am allowing time to visit local craft breweries. Maybe you too. Or maybe it's just a convenient, uh, serendipitous opportunity for you when you're in some hunting location and there is a, there is a brewery turning out fresh, local beer made by passionate local Brewers. Some of my favorites I visit time and time again. The chalkboard changes regularly, so what they had last time might be different this time, and that's the joy of craft beer. If I'm heading for South Dakota, I like to visit Watertown Brewing. You know, you know, if you haven't been to Watertown, South Dakota, take a look anyway. It's a different kind of South Dakota experience because it's way up there, tucked almost into Minnesota, so there's a lot of Hence the name. There's a lot of ponds and lakes. That's why it's called Watertown. And all of them could have birds. Boy, the stories I can tell about cattail swamps and wild ringnecks. And then toast at the Watertown Brewery. 
In the upper Midwest, Rocky Reef Brewing is in Woodruff, Wisconsin. That's the closest you can get to the rough grouse capital of the world, Park Falls. They've got at least a half dozen taps with brewer favorites, including up north Lake House Saison. A lot of you like those sweeter beers. That's one for you. And then in Lewistown, the best thing that ever happened to Montana since block management has been the Big Spring Brewing Company. Right there on the north end of town, they've got a short list of regular brews and a lot of what what we call seasonal beers or temporary beers on, on tap as well. Uh, if you're ever near Lewistown, stop in and say hello at Big Spring Brewing. Uh, I might touch on these again later, but those are some of my favorites and some of my favorite places. So uh, get the hint. Enjoy yourself at any of those on your next road trip. And it was brought to you in part by ESPAmerica.com. I'm using my new ESP America hearing protection devices in the field now as well as at the range there's very little wind noise they're comfortable and they stay in because they're custom fitted to you it's real easy to get the impressions done anybody in town can do it for you at a hearing professional office and just remember that uh, every shot takes you closer to deafness yeah hearing loss is permanent and cumulative so Learn more about why that is and how you can prevent it at ESPAmerica.com. Get your ESP America hearing protection devices and head over to Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School for instruction and for a new shotgun if you need one. MidValleyClays.com is sub-gauge central. They've always got 20s, 28s, and 410s in stock. Dave Fiedler is the guru He's a hunter. He's an incredible instructor and champion target shooter. The guy can help you find, well, a hard-to-get shotgun. If you can't find it somewhere else, this guy can help you. He can guide you through the process. They'll ship it anywhere in the country. So before you go too far, counsel with Dave Fiedler at midvalleyclays.com on your needs, whether it's the gauge, the style, the brand. He'll clue you in. And if he's got it or can get it, he might be the only guy who can. Learn more at midvalleyclays.com. Well, that'll do it here at the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me and let me kind of riff on the stuff that you've asked for some help with. Maybe out of that you got something. If you did, please tell a friend. If you didn't, tell all your enemies. Make them listen instead. If you left a rating or a review, I sure appreciate that. Uh, The more the merrier in that regard. That's how other people find out about us. And thank you all for listening. Without you listening, there'd be no point in me blabbing on and on. Uh, And I also thank all our sponsors for making it possible. Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, ESPAmerica.com Hearing Protection, MidValleyClays.com, and all the great shotguns they have, TrueLockChokes.com, MidwayUSA.com, and LandTrust.com. There's always something new at FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. That's where most of my content starts life. So if you're looking for something that might help you, whether it's finding a bird hunting spot, help with dog training, or shooting, it's all right there. Hey, until we meet again somewhere real soon, I'll meet you right here next week. I'm Scott Linding. Thanks for listening.